Everybody, welcome to another episode of Larry Wilmore Black on the Air. I am Larry Wilmore, and I am Black on the Air. Yes, I am. Very excited to have Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson on today's show. Guys, <laughs> you're going to have so much fun with this interview. We had such a great time. I can't wait for you to hear it. He's, he's just, he's so funny. He just makes me laugh. You know, we actually, he, there was a basketball where we were, there was just, um, you know, basketball's hanging around, whatever. And so he picks it up, and we actually start trying to play against each other. And I had hurt my ankle. It was all swollen up. And here I am. The, I get the ball, and I'm trying to take Neil deGrasse Tyson to the hole. It was it was surreal. So I think he, I think he has a video of that, so we'll put it up. But, uh, in fact, I'll put up a picture on Twitter if you guys are interested. But such a fun conversation. We're going to blur it out a little bit about physics, astrophysics, space, and all that kind of stuff. And, just, and the size of babies' heads, believe it or not. Yes, I know you have all been waiting to learn what about the size of babies' heads and what does that mean? Mm, that's a little tease. You're going to find out about that. So I'm really excited about that. Um, what's going on? Trump is overseas when I'm taping this right now. <sighs> I need a little break from Trump. He's just bugging me. I, <laughs> I love that he meets the Pope. You guys, if you don't know, I am Catholic, and I could not wait to see what was going to happen when he met the Pope because... All, all that Pope hating he threw out last year when he was running, and even the Pope was hating on him. It was like a a Meek Mill, <laughs> Drake type of thing or whatever. But it was so funny to see what was going to happen when they were together. So the Pope gives him one of his encyclicals about climate change. You know, I don't think Trump's ever read any of those things before. Uh, and it was very thoughtful. I mean, the Pope really goes against a lot of Catholic thinking and some of the stuff he puts down, you know, some of the stuff, you know, still kind of popey. But, you know, I give the Pope credit for for putting shit out there. Trump gives the Pope a book of Martin Luther King's, I guess, speeches and his books. MLK, you're going to Trump, you don't even you think Frederick Douglass is alive. How are you going to give him some of MLK's sayings? This doesn't even make sense. Who does he think he is? He and his father started he started his career by discriminating against black people in how in not in housing projects, but in his apartment buildings in Queens. And now he's going to roll with Dr. King. Now he's got a dream. And he thinks the Pope needs to learn this shit. The tone deafness of Donald Trump is really amazing to me. You know, I just don't understand it. I don't know how I don't. And personally, that book was so big. I don't even know how his tiny little fingers could even not drop that book <laughs> as he's giving it to the Pope. It was one of the funniest things. But uh, Trump is just becoming such a bizarre character. I love that Melania, her hand instinctively knows not to grab Trump's hand. Like, she didn't even know. I think her, she didn't even look at Trump trying to hold hands with her. I don't know if you guys saw that. But Trump tried to grab her hand, and her hand instinctively just jumps out of there. It's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Oh, no. I mean, it left, it left his hand faster than... You know, students leaving a Mike Pence commencement speech. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. So God bless Melania's unconscious nervous system is what I... I want to give a shout out to Melania Trump's unconscious central nervous system for for trying to warn Melania about Trump. I can't wait. This is what's so much fun. I love watching this now. What's wrong with me, you guys? I can't get enough of watching Melania's unconscious responses 
to even touching Donald Trump now. I think we should all do that. This should be like a new beer game where we have to we have to drink something or a shot game every time she unconsciously just rejects Donald Trump. It's so much fun. Uh, and if you guys notice more of these, please find them. Please find them and tweet them. It, it It's such a, a beautiful thing in our lives right now. It's the only thing. Melania Trump's central nervous system is the only thing that is going to keep us sane. Anyhow, I asked you guys to send some questions in that I can answer. I think I'll roll through a few of these real quick before we get into our interview and see what we got from. This is from. <laughs> this is going. This is from Laura Neal at Lala three nine two zero two, and she says, uh, "Other than the election, which news story do you most wish you could have covered on the nightly show but couldn't because you got screwed?" <laughs> Thanks for reminding me, Laura. Um, I don't think there's anything bigger than the election. The um, it would have been nice. I think January and February, I was talking to Robin Thede, our um, ex-head writer and star, one of the stars of the show, who has her own show coming out, by the way. And I think all of January and February, I think we called each other every day just wishing we could cover some of that stuff. The Frederick Douglass thing was the funniest thing, though, thinking he was still alive. By the way, I think I want to have Frederick Douglass on the show. I think I'm going to try to find him. If Trump, look, this may not be... Uh, fake news, you guys. If Trump thinks Frederick Douglass is alive, I'm going to find him, I promise you guys, and I'm going to bring him on the show. I'm serious about this. I'm going to find him and bring him on the show. So, all right. Um, at Romil DCP asks, why is Netflix throwing absurd sums of money for comedy specials? Is this a renaissance? I don't know. We may be in the new age of comedy specials. I give Netflix a lot of credit for that. That is a lot of money. I think Chris Rock got, what, $40 million? Did he get 40 and Dave Chappelle maybe got 60? That's $100 million for two brothers doing stand-up comedy. That's insane. You know, Netflix, That I think Netflix should just give that out as reparations <laughs> rather than give it to them. That would be fantastic. That is a lot of money. At Brown Sugar FX asked, what aspect of storytelling is most important for diasporic narratives? Wow. Very intellectual question about storytelling. As you know, I'm a writer, written a lot of stuff. I assume what you're saying is maybe about displaced people when you say diasporic narratives about uh, that type of people. But I think my simple answer to that is just be truthful in the storytelling. And you want to be, the more specific you are about a particular people's point of view, whether it's your point of view or you're you're, uh, projecting yourself into someone else, the more specific you are, the more universal the story will become so and um just always know what it is the story is about what are you trying to tell know what that is about and tell that story and be as specific and honest and don't hold anything back if you ever feel like nah i should i i i really couldn't say that you should absolutely say that okay all right let's get one more here let's get <laughs> let's get a fun one uh at tj set no four who do you want to see as a Laker next year more, Ball or PG-13? That's Paul George. Oh, and someone else says, at El Petit, or at El Pettit, 50. Is that Bob Pettit? At Larry Warren. Larry, can you com- how can you convince me that the Lakers will ever be good again? Okay, first of all, guys, stop hating on my Lakers. You know I'm a Laker fan. The Lakers will be good again. But I'm not sure how I feel about LeVar Ball, uh, Lonzo Ball's father. I think he's... Uh, I, I think he just needs a lot of attention. And um, I just don't like all that energy that's putting out there. I like Paul George a lot. I think he'd, I think he would make a great Laker. 
But I'm not completely sold on Lonzo Ball. I know everybody thinks he's great, but um, I think his father could be hurting him. But trust me, the Lakers will be good again, you guys. I mean, it's ridiculous to even think that. All right. Let's get one more. All right. How about this? At Brockovich837, Brock Johnson, I think is the name. If somebody ridiculous in the vein of Trump ran for the Democratic nomination, would Democrats be able to reject them? Wow. That's a good question. You know what? Here's the thing. Human nature, people love winners. There were a lot of Republicans, you guys, that hated Donald Trump. They thought it was ridiculous. The people running against him not only were competing, but they all, you know, ridiculed him. Then none of them thought he had a chance. And the amount of ridicule they threw at him was really amazing. And the more he won, the more not only incredulous people were, but the more people jumped on that bandwagon because people like winners. I I am a Democrat. I'm a lifelong Democrat. You know, I don't always agree with the Democratic Party, as you know. They really upset me a lot. I've considered myself an independent, but I've always thought I should just stay in the Democratic Party. I could do better just trying to make that better than, you know, whatever. But I would hope I would hope we wouldn't fall for Trump. I would hope not. But I just know human nature. People people like to win. They really do. All right. That's all I got. So I'll be uh, keeping an eye on Melania Trump's unconscious central nervous system uh, for the time being. But right now, let's do this quick word, and then we're going to talk to Neil deGrasse Tyson. All right, I am so excited to introduce you to my next guest. He is one of my, he's actually one of my favorite people, not in the world, but in the universe, ladies and gentlemen. He's the world's astrophysicist himself, who is, uh, has a book coming out that is debuting at number one, you guys. I think it's called Astrophysics for Those in a Hurry. People in a Hurry. For People in a Hurry. Yeah. He's one and only Neil deGrasse Tyson. Thanks, dude. Thanks hey, for having Neil. me back. Thanks for coming, man. So, I really appreciate I'm it. I'm glad it's life after Comedy Central. Okay. <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> it's the life in the universe <laughs> after Comedy Central. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And plus, you said you're, I'm your favorite in the universe, but yes. I don't know that you know astrophysicist from Mars. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. Remember when I was on Star our Star Talk? I think uh, oh. I think I dropped a few a few little nuggets in there. <laughs> That's right. You were a great guest on Star I Talk. I think I surprised you. you with a few. You things. even showed me a little bit of a little bit of magic. Exactly. You're exactly. like the only which black blew, magician in the, yes, in, in, the in the universe, <laughs> which blew the astrophysicist's mind. <laughs> mm, him have black magic. <laughs> him change my ideas of science. <laughs> no, that was a lot of fun. Well, tell me about the book uh, uh, real quick. Before yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a curated selection uh-huh. of content in the universe that mm-hmm. has made headlines and maybe you caught part of those headlines but uh-huh. you never really put it all together you've heard of exoplanet uh-huh. dark matter dark okay. energy um uh a, a multiverse. Right. All these concepts are in this book, and it's not a very long book because it's intended for you if you're in a hurry. Is it? If is have, it a summation? Yeah, of it, these ideas, yes, basically, kind of like a Reader's Digest it's for a summation. It is. Uh-huh. A, that's a great word. Uh-huh. I'll use that word. It's a summation okay. of all the most important, mind-blowing things in the universe. Mind-blowing. Yes, completely. Wow. If, if you yeah. if you go ten pages and your mind isn't blown, wow, then I failed. If you go 10 pages and your mind is blown, it's hard to even get to the 11th page. Yes, you got to put the book down and then you go about your rest of your chores. (laughs) Let your mind contract. You're in a hurry (laughs) and you got to like digest what just happened. So, my goal is you take these bits and pieces of the Mm -hmm. universe that you've gleaned and now you can learn all about them and consummate your 
connection with the cosmos. Right. And I brought with me your book, Star Talk. That, that came out last fall. That came out That's last fall. That's a beautiful, yeah, big old. This is a fantastic it's book, It's a fun by the way. book to dip in. It looks like it's a. Star Talk the book. Yes, yeah. it looks like a fun textbook, is what it looks like. You know, like if I was in school, I would have this in my desk and I'd sneak it out and read this <laughs> during the class I was supposed to be in. That's but all the cool stuff we did in the show. It, yes, but I love the way this is laid out. For those of you that don't have this, you should get both of those books, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, because even. I think even if you don't think you're interested in this stuff, this book makes you interested in it. It's so much fun. And, and, you know? and any page you open to. Yes. So what happens is it's, it's organized around topics that have right. actually come up in actual episodes of yeah. Star Talk. Okay. And with all the guests that we've had, I host that show. Yes. And you've been one of our guests. I saw guests. myself in the book. That was very <clears throat> nice. Oh, well, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was I, very forgot, I thought that was on the cutting room floor. <laughs> yes, but exactly. We, we, I guess we used that one. Somehow it made it. I got one of those. This is like the Butcher album of the Beatles. Somehow this. <laughs> Copy got out with me in it or something. <laughs> so it's um, so it's got you open to any page yeah. and it poses a question right. that we addressed in the show. Yes. So how do you get to Mars? Yeah. Uh, how do you have sex in space? Yes. In zero right. G. How yeah. do you? Um, what is the future of AI? Yeah. And all these topics were covered by mm-hmm. academic experts as well as some celebrity types who care about it. Sure. And it's all explored in this book. I loved all of it. I mean. Mm-hmm. So much of it invites more questions, it seems like, and more, more investigation. Well, so interesting you say that, because mm-hmm. here's one of my gripes about K-12 through education. <laughs> okay, right, yes, we, I okay, want to hear this. Okay, here, yes, here I have you, a lot of educators uh, in my family. Okay, so. you, you graduate, you mm-hmm. come down the steps from 12th grade, right? and what you see some people do this, they toss their notes in the air and say, no more school! Wow, yeah. Celebrating right. that they no longer have to learn. Yeah. When that was their only job, I know. to learn. <laughs> it's so and so true. there's something missing yeah. in school. And I think what's missing is... Some... I did it the opposite. I hated homework in school. And then I chose a profession where I have homework every day of my life. <laughs> I have homework. That's so, the curse that I got. So what I think here. happens is, what, what's not happening is there's, in this effort to cover syllab- a syllabus for every yeah. topic, somewhere in there, we, we forgot to stimulate curiosity. Mm-hmm. I think curiosity is everything. Yes. Because you come out as an adult and you're not curious, you can just be handed information. You won't even doubt it. Yeah. You'll just accept it or mm-hmm. you'll pick and choose well, what you think should be right rather than investigate what is right. Don't, don't you think curiosity, it stirs the imagination, yes. don't you think? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And kids are born with curiosity. Yeah. This is... This is Why do you think that goes away with a lot of kids? It gets because beaten out of them. Really? First, where, where do you think it's beaten I'll out? I'll tell you. you I, I say this before. I'll mm-hmm. say it again. You, we spend the first couple of years of a kid's life teaching them to walk and talk. Yeah. And we spend the rest of their lives telling them to shut up and sit down. <laughs> oh, okay? And you know that's well, true. Tell us more about your upbringing. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> I've just recovered from it. Yes, no, exactly. No, we know this is true. And mm-hmm. we define uh, well-behaved kids by how obedient they are, yeah. not by how renegade they are well, I think in a their lot thoughts of school, and behavior. I think a lot of school is patterned after military training, more than classical educational training. I, possibly because they said yeah. line up before you enter the room and come right. and sit down no, I and think don't, it was, don't yeah. speak and we'll take attendance and yeah. you're not allowed. And it's very regimented in many ways. Somewhere yeah. in there. And then you have the opposite approach. Uh, you have some schools that are so far into just letting the students do whatever. I, I don't know if that's a good way to learn either. <laughs> there, I think there's a happy yeah, medium. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. And so I'm, not enough thought is put into that. And mm-hmm. what is a scientist but a kid who never lost 
curiosity right. into now, adulthood. When you, you grew up in the Bronx, you said, right? The Bronx. In the Bronx, right. The Bronx. New York. Now, um, now, just in all fairness, yes. while my earliest memories were the East Bronx and uh-huh. the Castle Hill housing projects, right. uh, those are middle-income housing projects. My father's income eventually went above that, and they, they kick you out, right, as, wow. as, as is the case. Which is a good thing. That's a good thing. So right. then we moved to Riverdale. Right. So that's not so much the hood anymore mm-hmm. up in Riverdale. It's a... a Pretty sort of elite section. Yeah, it's west of, of the Bronx, right? Uh, it's north, west, northwest. northwest corner of the Bronx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> so my former years were in Riverdale. But still. Isn't that where Archie Andrews and Jughead and Betty and Veronica oh, grew up? I forgot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's a Riverdale, not, not the <laughs> yes, Riverdale. Right. That's an old reference. Yeah, oh, my gosh. There you go. Man. Come on, man. I'm dropping some science and some <laughs> old school Dropping science. something. I don't know if it's not. So. Well, what was it like for you growing up? Did you have problems being. A young black kid who was smart. Like, did you have to lose your black card growing up? Like, All right. So, what, a, what was that like? Because you must have been preternaturally smart at a certain age. Uh, right. right. So. I have to look up that word later. That's all right. <laughs> Preternatural. It just sounds good. Yes. It sounds really good. And it's probably correctly used. I don't know used. half the words I say. I just <laughs> put them out there and hope they mean something. It's probably right. correctly used. Right. As, as you asked me if I had to drop my blackness. Yes. You're black? Well, I don't know. Because like when I was growing up, like kids would make fun of me for not talking black. You know, uh-huh. so you don't talk black. And I would think, well, I'm black and I'm talking. Ergo, I'm talking black. You know? <laughs> And then I thought, well, maybe brothers just don't like the word ergo. Well, <laughs> <not> uh, sure. <laughs> you start invoking Latin. <laughs> right, ergo. exactly. But, it, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't kick your ass just for using that word. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no it's all good. I think I learned to just be myself after a while because I knew I was different. Yeah, you know, so uh, I have a quick story, but I want to get back yes, to tell your quick story. Up. we got plenty of time. The quick right? story is uh, when I uh, entered graduate school, mm-hmm. uh, there was a faculty member who was a regular participant on this sort of fun, kids-oriented NPR radio game show, okay. where it's like stump the expert. And yes, so the kid I calls love in, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. The kid calls in, uh-huh. and if you stump the expert, you get like a T-shirt or something. And sure. it's after school hours. And there's pressure in them to diversify their panel. Mm-hmm. So he recommended me. So and I how go, old were you? Oh, no, I, no just, I'm in graduate school. Oh, so, this is yeah, graduate yeah, it's like school. Right, right, 29 right. or something, 28. Right. So I go in there, I meet the producer, I meet it, and then I never heard from them again. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I kind of forgot about it. Right. And then like a year later, I go to my colleague, I said, so whatever happened to that? They said, oh, they couldn't use you. I said, why not? I said, you didn't sound black. Wow. And I said, yeah. whoa. Yeah. Here they are trying to diversify a panel. Yeah. So they want to get someone who's not white right. to sound not white that's a, that's, so that you know that they are not white. Yeah, they want it flavor. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was so, yeah, that was that's what it had come to at that point. Uh-huh. But anyhow, growing up, I was I valued being athletic. And okay. running fast, the right. stuff that could prove yourself mm-hmm. in the playground. I played sports growing up as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and you're a big guy, so you got you mm-hmm. can you got some, you, you know, some body size. I to... was tall and skinny growing up. I was a beam. I didn't gain weight till I was like thirty. Really? Yeah, it's true. Because you like you look like you've I weighed been... 50, I weighed fifty five pounds until I was thirty. <laughs> <laughs> I literally didn't gain weight. <laughs> um, so, mm-hmm. but I was sort of typically the second tallest kid in the class. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. I was the 
uh, maybe the second fastest in the school. Right. Uh, on the block, probably the fourth fastest in basketball. Yeah. This is the measure of things. If two yeah. captains <laughs> choose 10 people yeah. to eight other people, Uh-oh. What, in what sequence are you chosen? Yes, exactly. Or not at all, right? Exactly. So I was never chosen first. There's always. I, I hate when there's contempt, too. It's like, all right, we got him. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, typically I was chosen fourth or fifth. Okay. So that's a measure of my Bronx yeah. um, talent. Right. So that was enough to stave off what might have been any kind of resentment. Plus, okay. part of it is what kind of attitude you have if you are smart or you are getting yeah. high grades. If you cop an attitude, you, you should get your ass kicked. Oh, I can't yeah. say that today because bullies have <laughs> been outlawed. But know. If, in the day, yeah. I mean, that, I know what if, you mean. If I, you have an attitude, that's you, you. half the blame is on you. I feel like it's so interesting because I feel like I kind of hid out in sports a little bit because I was good in sports. Mm. What did you play? What did you play? I, uh, what did I play? Yeah, yeah. I played everything. Uh, basketball, okay, what were you football. best at? Uh, when I was younger, it was track and football. My father played college football, actually. Okay. Track. What you, would what'd you run? Um, I was in the sprints early on. I was okay. really good. And then some of the mid-races, like eight, what was called 880 when I was growing up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Two times I did the jumps. Track. I had my high school high jump record for a while. Whoa. And uh, then... Fo- so you had to be skinny for that. Yeah, there it yeah, is. Yeah, you did. You there had to you be go. skinny, yeah. Mm-hmm. And football, I was really good in, but I was I was... I didn't weigh anything. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I started high school. I was like 145 pounds, but I was like six feet. Yeah, you so take a class in anything. physics, yeah. you would have never yes. <laughs> elected to play football. Right. So I, I <laughs> Momentum transfer to a 145-pound person. I switched to basketball in high school, but I grew up in a sports neighborhood. A lot of people mm-hmm. in my neighborhood, some people went pro in my oh, neighborhood. Wow. Okay. And, uh, and uh, in basketball and football, like right in the same block that I was in. So it was a real competitive sports environment. We had a, a decathlete went to Pomona High School. All kinds of stuff. It was oh. it was a real it okay. was a fun time to grow up for for sports. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so you hid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did yeah. because when you were smart, you were made fun of. But when you were in sports, you weren't. You weren't. You know? right, yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, but uh, another saving bit for me was I attended the Bronx High School of Science, nice. and so that is a, an entire shifted ecosystem. All right. So the Bronx High School had jocks yeah. and it had nerds. Right. But on a scale of any other high school, the jocks would have been the nerd. Yeah. So the nerds in right. a nerd school are like super freak nerds. Yes. Okay. And I'm oh, old yeah. enough back when we had slide rules. Oh, yeah. And there'd be those. like, you carried in your leather pouch walking down this <laughs> corridor. <laughs> That's fantastic. Because <laughs> it is true that bigger slide rules, you can make a more accurate calculation with them. Really? Oh, yeah. Even today? Well, no, but you, what do you <laughs> I'm like, wow, why, don't, why aren't we using those? Let's get that out. Yeah. Uh, so I'm probably the oldest person who was formally trained on a, sorry, the youngest person uh-huh. who was formally trained on a slide rule. Because the, the, in the fall, where that was the, a, 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 a scheduled part of our math class, mm-hmm. by the time the spring came around, four function calculators had dropped in price. Wow. Uh, from $200 down to like $40. Those are those old Texas instruments that instrument, look right. like uh, big communicators from Star Trek? Or, <laughs> or no, the, the, the thing that, uh, God, we're such nerds right now. We're it's such blurs. geeking out on but Remember when Dr. McCoy had the tricorder yeah, thing yeah, where yeah, he would, yeah. uh, or the, yeah, the medical thing, whatever it was? Yeah, so it was, uh, so after that, no one was trained in slide rules, not formally, as mm-hmm. part, of, part of school. Right. So I may be the youngest person who knows about slide rules. And why, 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 why astrophysics? What was, why did you pick that as a place? Because I'm sure there could have been... I was other... called. 
Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It was a calling. Yeah, it was total, totally calling. Uh, like a voice from heaven? Or, or did your mom say, boy, get your ass <laughs> up and get to that astrophysics class? There was a voice, but not from right. heaven. Right. Exactly. It was from the other room. <laughs> get your astrophysics get, done. Get your homework astrophysics. Done. Get your ass <laughs> done. Uh, so, no, it was a, a How old were you? How old were you? Nine. Nine years old yes. and you got a calling? Yes. That's amazing. A visit to the Hayden Planetarium, my local planetarium. Where you now reside. Which right now is, I'm now director. That's yes. right. That planetarium. I went in there, the lights dimmed, and the stars came out. I thought it was a hoax. Yeah. Because I'd seen stars from the Bronx. There's about a dozen of them. Well, you can't them. see any stars. Well, right? you see 12 or so. Right. And, I, and right. in the dome. Thousands, well, you hope that they're stars. Thou- right. Yeah, I don't know what the Thousands right. of stars come out on the dome. Right. And I thought it was a hoax. And I thought, I'll go along with it. It's kind of a fun hoax. Uh-huh. But then it would turn out, of course, to be real. And right. But that moment, I was starstruck. Uh-huh. So, if, and by, it took me a couple of years to organize it into a trajectory of life. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was 11, you asked me that annoying question that adults always ask kids. Yeah. What's that question? What, what do you want to do? Is that what I, no, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to yeah, be? Yeah. And right. so what I had an answer do? from age 11 onward, and it was an astrophysicist. And I love that for you, it wasn't like some people say, well, I really love math and this or that. For you, it was a love affair. It's, oh, it's complete. It, it's from, a complete romance. From the beginning. And I got right. my first telescope at age 12, mm-hmm. uh, a small one that my parents got. And right. then by the time I was 15, I saved up. I, uh, I walked dogs nice. for a living, 50 cents per dog per walk. Uh-huh. And that was the, I wouldn't have known it then. Yeah. But in retrospect, it was the glory days of dog walking. Really? Because... You didn't have to clean up after. There were no pooper scooper laws. <laughs> so you could walk five dogs and they're pooping everywhere in the oh, sidewalk. Oh, you're one of the reasons why they changed those laws, I'm <laughs> <No>. sure. <laughs> so I uh, used that money to buy a camera, uh-huh. a, a larger telescope, a more serious amateur telescope. Right. And I went on an expedition to Stonehenge. I saw a total solar eclipse yeah. off of the coast of Africa when I was uh-huh. 15. I gave my first uh, public lecture where I was like compensated when I was 50, I just turned 15. What did you lecture on? I lectured on, I showed images that I'd taken with my telescope and camera from a previous summer uh-huh. in the Mojave Desert, uh, where I was attended an astronomy camp for like really geeky. I love it. Really astronomy geeky. camp. Yeah. You've got to love <laughs> and that. And we lived nocturnally. Oh, yeah. it was great. And, and when you get there, you're probably thinking, thank God there are other people like me. I was worried. <laughs> except, I was really Except worried. it was like the desert, which is <laughs> yes. very different yes, from New York City, right? Yes. It was very different. Uh, but We better be out here for an astronomy camp. <laughs> we, we lived nocturnally. Uh-huh. And on f- uh, when there was a full moon, which totally destroys your night, we went on expeditions. So we went to oh, wow. visit uh, um, the Grand Canyon. And also, if you're going to go to Grand Canyon, you also go to you, Me- Meteor Crater. So you went to the Grand Canyon at night. No, 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 no. Sorry. During the series of during the okay. several days oh, where the evening is is destroyed by the full moon. Yes. The full moon is only w- full for one of those nights, but it's near full the nights before. Oh yeah, and it after. wipes out all the yeah, stars. It wipes out, yeah, the yeah, stars. Right, right. It cuts down by a right. factor of ten what you can see. So you yeah. just you just forfeit to it, and you just go, go on a trip. So we we went on these expeditions. Right. But anyhow, so all of this is going on, mm-hmm. and I view the eclipse, and I give this public talk. So I have photos from that camp of the night sky, beautiful uh, stars and nebulae and yeah. star trails and, and everything. And you 15 years old. I was 15. And right. uh, there's a comet coming around that fall, that, that winter, called Comet Kohotek. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that comet was supposed to be the Christmas comet, beautiful, biggest ever. Yeah. Turned out to be a dud, but a, a good part of my talk was the discovery of that comet, what comets are, wow. how... And then this is when I realized adults, there's something wrong with them, okay? <laughs> because... There was someone in the street uh-huh. holding up a sign saying, Kahootek is coming. 
repent now. Oh my goodness. And I said, this, this person is an idiot. I mean, what, yeah. what, what is this going? They're an adult. They're supposed to know more than I know about the fate of things. Yes. And if this is a grown up, what is, what is going on here? That was my first indication that there are whole swaths of the public, of the public that are, that are embarrassingly scientifically illiterate. Wow. And it's one thing to be scientifically illiterate <laughs> and then, okay, you know, you don't know, but you know, you should know, mm-hmm. never got around to it. But if you carry profound illiteracy with you and you are leading with it, mm-hmm. saying right. this comet means the end of the world. And he only knows about the comet because we told him. It's not, yeah. wasn't in the sky visible yet. We're telling him it's a comet. Yes. And he's going to then decide that this comet that we discover with our telescopes yeah. is, is a symbol for the end of the world. And I said, we all have our work cut out for us. That's interesting. So you had almost two awakenings. You're falling in love and then this almost kind of an epiphany about the role of almost maybe science and religion. It seems to me like religion has kind of imposed itself into science over the course of history. It's kind of uh Well, no, but religion was always there. Yeah. Science is what has imposed itself on religion. Well, science has kind of like said, oh, slow your roll, religion. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the truth. But religion has tried to dictate the terms of science uh, many has, times. Historically, right? but yes. in modern times, what matters is when... It's, it's, by the way, it's not all religious people. It's like mm-hmm. the fundamentalist, yeah. fundamentally. Do you find um, it the fundamentalist in most religions? Yes, uh-huh. yes. So the fundamentalists are the ones that take their religious scripture literally, uh-huh. right? And most religious people are not fundamentalist, uh-huh. 90% or so. So they're enlightened and they say, the, the, my religious textbook is not a science textbook. Uh-huh. And I will get spiritual enlightenment and fulfillment from these readings. Yes. But I will not get my science from it. I'll yes. get my science There's, from scientists. Right. Not from, you know, Iron Age I will get ice cultures. cream at the ice cream shop. <laughs> <laughs> and I will get gasoline for my car. For, at, 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 the, the, at the gas, the gas station. station. Yes. So, in oh, fact, God. Galileo even knew this. And he was a religious man. They were all mm-hmm. religious back then. Yes. But Galileo, seeing what his telescope was revealing to you him. You mean that heretic, Galileo? The, the total heretic. Yes. And what the <laughs> church and scripture was saying and the uh-huh. Jesuits who were, who were prosecuting, uh, he said, he concluded, the Bible tells you how to go to heaven, not how to heavens go. Wow. That was good. He said it like that. With Whoa, like a, with the accent. With kind of like a black accent. I didn't know Galileo. Was like, Yo, Galileo. Yo, man, stop looking at the stars, man. Bible tell you how to go to heaven, not how to heaven. Galileo could be. That's an awesome black name, by the way. I think all the philosophers' names could be Galileo, all the scientists. And everything. Yo, Da Vinci. Galileo. Socrates. <laughs> um, do you think, can religion and science coexist peacefully? Not or, if you. Or is one, do you think with the more more science that uh, exists, I'm, I'm using a word that isn't quite accurate. What I mean is our, the, the more we discover the realities of science and the possibilities the of world. science and the world, mm-hmm. and the world as it exists in the, in the physical realm that can be explained, uh, does that shrink religion, do you think? It depends on what religion is to you. Mm-hmm. And there are people who like to think of the mysteries of science as the manifestation of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not all, but there's enough for me to... The, the mysteries of science as the manifestation of God. Yeah, so for example... Okay, so it's God's will to say E equals MC squared. No, 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 that E equals MC squared is not a mystery. Okay. We got that, okay? okay. all right. Uh, it's, it's, for example, we still don't know what dark matter is or dark okay. energy or what was around before the Big Bang. Okay. And so they say, well... God was around before the Big Bang, or maybe the dark the energy that permeates all of the universe is the spirit 
of God. Okay. There are people who sort of lean that way. The things that can't be explained, God is the explanation. Yeah, and I would say— God fills in the gaps of knowledge and is what it is. And in the history of philosophy, mm-hmm. it's called God of the Gaps. It's literally called oh. the God of the Gaps. Wow. And, and that's why if there's enough people who feel that way that philosophers mm-hmm. came out with a term for it. So mm-hmm. if God to you—and I've said this online— and people truncated the last phrase and put it on T-shirts. <laughs> right. All right. And so here's the full quote, okay. if you must know. Go for it. If God to you is where science has yet to tread, mm-hmm. then God is an ever-receding pocket of scientific ignorance. Yes. And in many ways... But that was an if-then statement, is right. my point. It was an if-then. But then. people took the last phrase, right. God is an ever-receding pocket of <laughs> right, scientific ignorance. Right. Like, I'm ready to go out and fight you for yeah, it. I'm yeah, saying, yeah, no, yeah, this yeah. is an if-then statement. Right. And... So, because uh, atheists a, keep trying to claim me. Mm-hmm. and Are you atheist or do you believe in God? Well, so here's what. So, or do, have, you taken no, Pasquale's, have you taken Pascal's wager? <laughs> Pascal's wager? Uh, why don't you tell people what that is if you're going to invoke it? Well, I mean. Or you can say, no, I already know. Why don't you tell them? <laughs> yes. Well, you'll probably tell it better than I, but, but to sum it up, I mean, I would rather bet on the possibility of God and be wrong than bet on the non-possibility and be wrong. Yes. Right, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, right, because the eternal damnation in hell yes. uh, is as a, as a real possibility. Yes. You don't want to bet against that. Right. Did I say that right? You don't want to bet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Well, you don't want to bet against the possibility of that world being being right. so there as judgment, judgment not, for you. So right. why not become religious? Right? I love that God starts from this whole judgy place. You know, that's where I see God. <laughs> People are so judgy, and God, right, right. God is like the ultimate judgy mm-hmm, type of thing. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but, but so wait. So where do we leave off? I yes. just wanted to say that. So for you personally, oh, so for me, where, per- where does God exist for you? This astrophysicist who has. Studied the origins of the universe yes. from a physical standpoint. That's correct. Okay. So let me let me explain to you. You've this, taken God out of that equation. Let me explain to you this athe- right. atheist thing. Okay. So I'm typically claimed by atheist, mm-hmm. and atheist, if you look up the definition, is like denial of the belief in a god or whatever, okay. whatever that is. Okay. Right. It is the belief first, in the non-belief. The first is <laughs> right. I'm I kind of object that there's a word for that. Right. Is there a word for people who don't play golf? Uh, no, there's not, okay. other than non-golfers. But that's not a thing, right? <laughs> okay. There's not a word for things that you don't do. Uh-huh. So, Well, the, you're asexual if you you know, don't have sex, I guess. Uh, yeah, but the asexual creatures predated the sexual creatures. Yeah. So when sexual creatures came around, then they went back and decided to label nice. them. I like okay. how the astrophysicists just dropped that mic on me. That was nice. Well, I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, asexual... Uh-huh. You know, they probably didn't have a word for that. It just was. Right. right. Okay. Uh-huh. So it's people later than then assign a word. And uh-huh. so what, what are labels but intellectually lazy ways of asserting you know information about someone before you even have a conversation with so them? So atheism is an intellectually lazy if word? You, if you're going to call someone an atheist without having a conversation with them, yes. Interesting. Okay. So now watch. Okay. And I assert the only ist I am is a scientist. Nice. Okay. I like how you did that. Okay. <laughs> I like how you didn't answer that. No, I'm getting there. So don't watch. So um, if you say, do I believe in God? I'll ask you, well, is there a particular God you have in mind that you want to know if I believe in it? 
Okay. Is there one do you have in mind? And then you go to Google, and there's like a thousand deities sure. there. Yeah, okay, yeah. Th- a thousand. And some Easily. religions have just gone overboard with how many. And gods some have there. gone extinct. Some yeah. have many. Some okay. Yeah. So generally, we're here in the West that so we speak of the the, the oh, God of Abraham. Any, are there any like dormant gods? Like are gods like volcanoes basically? <laughs> <laughs> they just come back sometimes. Or? Okay, I, I don't know. I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. I think once a culture goes away, yeah. they don't come back. They take their gods with them. <laughs> yes, I exactly. think is how that works. Yeah. Um, so. So you're talking about uh, the God of Abraham? Yeah, so the right? God of Abraham, which is the God of Christianity and the God of Islam, okay? So, because they all use the same book, mm-hmm. the or, or, original book. The Judaic God. The Judaic God, of. correct. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so that is the, the great monotheistic mm-hmm. series of religions. Yes. Okay, so typically that's what they mean. So I ask, um, is this God, as mm-hmm. you have know him, right. all-knowing? Well, of course he's all-knowing. Then I say, is he all good? Mm-hmm. Of course he's all good. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait a minute. And mm-hmm. so I said, well, let's define good so that we don't yeah. have to argue this. Because so, that guy did a lot of smoting. Well, that's what I'm saying. He did a but lot of smoting. Did, only if you're bad. Yeah. Okay, so but now. But you were still smoted. If you're bad. Yeah. Okay, so then you had it coming. But a smote is a smote. It's a smote is yeah. that biblical <laughs> bad, right? So And that whole pillar of salt thing. I mean, come on, God. Now you're just being petty. I got you. So yeah. now watch. So, but, but, but very creative. I mean, I, I never would have thought of salt. Salt. Yeah, cool. That's pretty good. Um, and so, uh, what was I? Saying? All good and all powerful. Yeah, yeah. So, what would all yes. good be? It'd be in the interest of your health and okay. maybe your longevity. That's uh-huh. a simple definition. Okay. Of well, good. it would be, but any definition we have is an anthropomorphic definition. Well, that's of, fine. But right. if it's something else, tell me, and I'll right. work with that. Sure. But right now, I don't think that's a controversial definition of no, something being good. Sure. Okay, okay. So now, now you look at the tsunami in Indonesia. That took out a quarter million people, mm-hmm. presumably innocents. Not every one of these quarter million people right. were devil worshippers. Okay, mm-hmm. it also took out a quarter million people mm-hmm. from Haiti okay. in an earthquake. Right. So you look at natural disasters. You're saying God did that? No, I'm saying you look at natural disasters. Okay. That take the lives of innocent people. You're blaming that on God, and you are forced to. Well, you as a scientist are blaming on. that on God. You are I'm forced. Um, you are forced to ask the question: If there is a God. Mm-hmm. That God is either not all-powerful or not all-good. Um, I, I would have to disagree with your premise a little bit there. What's the premise? Well, I would say you, you, would, have to, you would have to define your God a little more specifically. I because, just did! No, I no, said no, all-powerful. But not completely, not completely. Okay. Because maybe your all-powerful God isn't necessarily an intervening God. I'm saying all because I said you're, was, well, just no, no, because it, you're all powerful doesn't mean you exercise no, no, that hold power. On. All I'm saying is, like for instance, if the God you want me to right. worship, okay, is all powerful and all good according to how you have defined them. No, the God I want you to worship is this God. No. <laughs> okay, if that's the case, uh-huh. then that God, in the face of natural disasters that slaughter innocent Which people, is a natural disaster, yes, not uh, a not a God-made disaster, right? Not a God inter, intervention. What is the disaster? last line of any insurance form? Acts of God. Yeah, but that's okay? insurance. I'm that's, just saying. I know. Okay. But nobody can so trust your So an act of God company. is some act of violence that kills people <laughs> right. and destroys property. Yeah. Okay. Act of and God. And we is, all somehow, somehow accept that line right. on an insurance form. Act well, of God is more like lightning hitting you while you're. It's nature. Right. <laughs> striking at you. So all I'm yes, saying is, yes. if that's how you define your God, I don't see evidence of that God. But what if that's I say? That's my point. Now, if you want wait, to come wait, up, no, 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 wait, wait. Yeah. But what if I I define my God as all powerful and all good, but not an intervening God in world affairs? Like He set it all up, and He says, "All right, you guys, I'm going to be back in about 
I'm going to be back in a bit. You guys go to then, it. I set up a weather then where ecosystem. Is the all good? Where does the good come in? Well, his good is that you can learn from that. Learn from what? Learn from an earthquake or yeah, a tsunami? You, you, a volcano? You learn from, from sorrow as much as you learn from good. Okay. so You learn from hardships as much as you learn from fortune. You learn from tragedy as much as you learn so from... So why do you need a God for that? Because he set that up. I'm just giving you the parameters. <laughs> I'm just giving you another out, another argument. I was going to say you're being devil's advocate, but you're actually being God's advocate. <laughs> yes, there. I'm being right. God's okay. advocate. <laughs> Man, why you got to be Jesus' advocate? Does God mm-hmm. need an advocate? Uh, so all I'm saying, this, this I'm just contrary. This conund- I'm just this, that asshole that gives you another you. argument. Yeah. So this conundrum yes. arose in the late 1700s okay. uh, among philosophers mm-hmm. after this devastating earthquake and the, tsunami. The, the powerful good argument. Yes. Okay, in, in Lisbon, one of the holiest cities sure. in Europe, right. on All Saints Day, mm-hmm. everyone is in church that morning. Right. It's a religious day in sure. a religious city. Everyone's in church. And this is the 1700s. What's the largest structure in any city? Mm-hmm. The church. What's yeah. the most susceptible to collapse? The church. Mm-hmm. An earthquake strikes. A tsunami follows. 80,000 people died yeah. that day. Mm-hmm. And so the philosopher said, we can't explain this any other way. Right. If your God is all powerful and all good, it can't be both. It but, can only be one or the other. And so that, but if so, you're, if you're a scientist, saying, so that, that is, birthed, it, is it, would it be shallow to blame a natural occurrence on a supernatural being? What I'm saying is if you want me to worship, believe in and mm-hmm. worship that God, right. I don't see evidence of what okay. you say the powers of that God right. are. Right. So now okay. if you're going to be Spinoza, now, what if something happens where someone recovers from a disease that is unexplainable? Would you give God credit for that? So here's an interesting one. So here's yeah. what happens. A doctor diagnoses you with terminal cancer, let's say. Why has it got to be me? Why can't you be in this scenario? Uh, okay. Because <laughs> I wouldn't. Okay. Doctor, doctor diagnoses a person okay, with terminal good. cancer. Okay, good. I like that better. Well, that oh, person's okay. religious, and they sure. pray. They get other people to pray for right. them. Mm-hmm. And, after, and after six months, they're still alive. Right. After a year, they're in remission. Mm-hmm. After two years, there's no sign of cancer. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. The person is likely to credit the intervention of God and prayer and the, sure. and, and, and the like. Okay. Sure. So here's what intrigues me. Mm-hmm. They're more likely to, to, to credit mm-hmm. the intervention of prayer and the power of a deity than they are to say the doctor was clueless. Mm-hmm. But isn't that the opposite argument of... People blaming a tsunami on God where it's a weather pattern? If and God has power over natural forces, then God is either not all-powerful or not all-good. Did he have power over that over the doctor to treat you properly? Uh, I don't know. I, I, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> the, the, you have to ask religious people about right. this. What right. I'm saying is, okay. you ask me if I am an atheist. Yes. That's what started this. Yes. And my, what I'm telling you is, when people come up with their definition of what God is. Yeah. These are the arguments that they use, right? Well, whatever. Whatever their arguments. Then right. I look in the universe and I say, this is a counterexample to what it is you're saying your God is. Sure. So therefore, I don't see evidence of the God that you're worshiping. Got it. So I remain skeptical mm-hmm. of the presence of a, of a deity in the universe. So okay. So, so, now, so now okay. watch. So now, that ought to count me as an atheist. So now watch what happens. Or agnostic. I. I'm getting there. Right. So atheists start claiming me. So then watch what happens. <laughs> on my Facebook page, a friend of mine is oh going to fix God. the Hubble telescope right. on the space shuttle. And then my... Hubble, who you said had some race problems, by the way. The Hubble, the man, not yes. the telescope. Right. Telescope sees all colors. That would be fucked col- up if a telescope had some race <laughs> Telescope issues. sees all colors. Yeah, right. I can't see the dark matter through this telescope. What's going on? <laughs> Yo, man, only white matter through this telescope. <laughs> I'm sorry. So... <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I say in my Facebook page, uh, friends going up on Space Shuttle STS-181, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, Godspeed shuttle astronauts. Mm-hmm. What happens in, my th- in the thread? I thought you were an atheist. Wow. This went on and on and on. So if I have conduct that people say, I thought you were an atheist, then clearly I'm not an atheist because words are not as they are defined in dictionaries. Mm-hmm. Words are defined as we use them, right. and dictionaries then capture words as they have emergently come to be used. Yes. That's the whole point of I a dictionary. I think that's a fantastic explanation okay. of dictionaries. Yes. So ask me my favorite Broadway musical ever. It's Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> nice. Yes, I listen to that almost every week. I think we're unlocking like, a whole different site now. And continuously on Easter. Mm-hmm. Okay? At, what's my favorite choral work? It's Bach's Mass in B minor. Yes. Okay? Beautiful. Oh, I thought you were an atheist. Now, of course, you can be an atheist and like all of this, but right. what I'm saying is, if you use that word, mm-hmm. and later on I do something, and it forces you to say, I thought you were an atheist, it meant the label you assigned me constrained my behavior in your mind. Wow. And I will not have my behavior be constrained that. by your definitions of words right. that you are invoking. Plus, and so therefore I say, okay, I'm an agnostic, but really I don't want to be any word. Yeah, you want to be a all. scientist, right. I'm, a, I'm an ist. Yeah, I love that. And to, to me, a fan of astronauts, you know, growing up and of the stars from a different standpoint. What year are you born? Just 61. 61, cool. Yeah. Cool. So I was a fan of the stars from the standpoint of wanting to go to the stars, you know, and uh, and that's what fascinated me. But uh, but Godspeed, John Glenn is the phrase. That's you know? where that's that. Godspeed yes. is in the culture yes. of a, the American it's space program. It's in the culture of the blast off. And that's why it's I blast use that off term. Culture is what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, if you understand blast off culture, you know where that <laughs> phrase comes from. Because I use it all the time whenever there's well, not to this say Godspeed. This is my whatever. point. It's a yes, it's, right. it's a cultural word, and the people who wanted to pigeonhole me yes. as an atheist, therefore controlling what words I use, yeah. did not understand its use. So I just mm-hmm. came back. I had to drop. I had to drop a mic on him. I said. <laughs> I said. I was invited to an atheist conference. Oh, my God. And I brought this up. That's great. And I said, by the way, how many of you in this room have ever used the word goodbye? Uh Well, we all have. Well, that means God be with you. Yes. It's a contraction of God be with you. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, my gosh. And I don't know if they're no longer using that word. But the fact is, when would you say that? When you leave the city wall and you're going into the countryside, where it was very dangerous back before you had nation states, when you had city states. You say, God be with you on these travels. You wouldn't need that within the city walls. You need it when you left the city. So you go into space. What can kill you? Speed can kill you. Godspeed. Nice. Okay, so Godspeed to me is the modern equivalent to God be with you of yesteryear. Gross Scott. Yeah. And, and so so don't come running after me telling me how you think I should <laughs> don't behave. Don't come running after Neil deGrasse Tyson telling them how he should behave. <laughs> and and, and, and okay, so as long as I'm not fulfilling your expectation of what an atheist is, clearly I'm not an atheist. Great. I love that. Um, let me ask you this. This is something I've always wanted to know. Is there a physics explanation for consciousness, or does that go in the realm of metaphysics? Is there such a thing as metaphysics or what people, you know, what people say what metaphysics is, that unexplainable area again, that, I'm gonna that tell God you, area? I'm going to tell you something. Because I want to know, I got can you. consciousness I, be explained by electrical impulses? And that I got thing? you. Ready? Okay. okay. So uh, I'm going to say something that is probably an unpopular thing to say, oh, but, I it's, love that. but it's true. Uh, I've never done that before. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you go to the bookstore, yes, the more books there are written on a subject, mm-hmm. the less we know about it. Really? 
That's evidence that we don't know much about it. I did because not know everyone that. wants to keep thinking that they have the answer. So you go to the shelf on consciousness. There's book after book. Consciousness yeah. explained. Uh-huh. The, the mystery of consciousness. Quantum consciousness. Yeah. Everybody is taking a stab. Mm-hmm. Go to ask the, the, the librarian, where are the books on gravity? And there's like three books <laughs> on the left-hand side of the shelf. And one is okay. about the uh, movie gravity. <laughs> <laughs> so we got, we're done there, yes. basically. Okay? So... So whatever is the next book on consciousness you see, uh-huh. the urge will be, will be to think that we understand it deeply, but the evidence is that we do not. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now, um, so now what is it? Everything we know about human physiology tells us that what's going on in your brain is electrochemical. Right. Why do we know that? Because mm-hmm. I can put chemicals in your brain and totally fuck with your thoughts. That's exactly right. I can yes. shock your brain and totally either stimulate or remove your capacity to have the thoughts you had before. Mm-hmm. This is how we know that it's electrochemical, as well as other means, okay? okay. So, right. to assert that consciousness is something beyond electrochemical impulses mm-hmm. is kind of wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. You want there to be some kind of soul that transcends <laughs> the physics. And right. the, it, to say that there's something going on that's not physics, mm-hmm. it's the... No one has demonstrated this. There's no way. To, and, and my father, I lost him a few months ago. He had a seri- serious, thank you. He was 89. Mm-hmm. It was good. You know, okay. better you bury your parents than your parents bury yes, your kids. No, okay. Believe me. So, but um, he, he had a series of mini strokes mm-hmm. and just one little bit by one little bit. His Did he have mental, dementia? Met, no, mm-hmm. not up until then. Okay. Uh, little bit by little bit, his brain just started going. Wow. And so... Are you going to say consciousness is some meta thing? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to just recognize that if you damage a part of the brain, you won't be able to speak, you won't be able to remember short term or long term, or mm-hmm. um, you won't remember yesterday, but you'll remember a minute ago. All these things are areas of the brain. Did it feel like part of him was gone? Oh, yeah. Oh, of uh-huh. course. Yeah. Of course. Right. Until the very end where there was no... Um, you know, his pupils didn't dilate and he yeah. was just there breathing, right? So, what it, what, so my point is, uh-huh. um, just because science does not yet have the answer uh-huh. doesn't mean science will never get the answer. Yeah. There people say, oh, you, you science, but science can never explain love or beauty. Yeah. And I think those who say that, they don't want science. Is there a scientific explain. explanation for love? I, so... At this moment, not really, but uh-huh. I can imagine one. Uh-huh. Let me offer an imagined Great. explanation. I would love that. Yeah. Okay, so oh, I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's not say let's take beauty for a moment because it's okay. it's an easier it's more experiment to to set up. Yes. Okay. So there's a painting, and you look at it and you say that's a beautiful painting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I put um, put electrodes in your head and I find out what part of your brain is lit. Yeah. When you feel how beautiful that painting is. Uh-huh. Okay. Now I find everyone who finds out how beautiful that painting is. You know something? It's the same part of everybody's brain that's getting lit. Is well, well, I'm just I'm I'm just making this up. Okay. But it's plausible. Right. So now watch. So now here's somebody who said, I hate that painting. And uh-huh. you look at their brain, nothing's getting lit up. Yeah. So then you go in <laughs> and light up that same part of the brain that's already been demonstrated yeah. has been invoked for others who love this painting. Now I light it up for that person and show them the painting again. And then I, they say, whoa, I love that painting. I just pictured an operating room where you're in someone's brain lighting exactly, up that Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I can imagine this scenario. So that's an electrical impulse. Like, yes. Because I've always been... So this would be your center of aesthetics and beauty. Yes. And we found it. And we can trigger it. 
even. So that is not an impossible thought. But it's and neuroscience is a huge frontier yeah. that is still in its infancy that is headed in that direction. So I will not be the one to say science will never explain anything that you want to put on the list, okay. including consciousness. All right. Well, then let me ask you this, because going back to Plato, who we brought up earlier, is there... I thought an, it was Socrates. Or Socrates, yeah. yeah but I'm going to go to Plato Socrates. now. <laughs> but is there an ideal of beauty that exists outside of our judgment? Or is it all based on our judgment of beauty, that those neurotransmitters? I mean, can beauty no, exist beauty, outside of that judgment? Uh, or, or is that just I, a silly notion? I, I don't know. And neuroscientists mm -hmm. probably have access to some... Like, is a flower beautiful because it's a flower, or is it only beautiful because we think it's beautiful? So there are... I can give you some unambiguous replies to that. Mm -hmm. Okay? Uh, this was discovered, was it the 60s or 1970s? Mm -hmm. you, let me back up. You ever notice that dolls from the 19th century are really creepy? Yeah, they are. They have those weird beady eyes. Yeah, yeah they're just creepy. Yeah. And you know why? And they just, they let their skin go completely. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, they hadn't developed plastic yet. Yes, exactly. So, so have you guys heard of cocoa butter or anything? <laughs> or lotion? So here, here's why they're creepy. Mm -hmm. Because we hadn't they're figured made out. In, most of them are made in Germany, by the way. Oh, is that so, right? Okay, yeah, okay. a lot of them. So mm -hmm. because we hadn't really figured out what makes a baby cute. Really? That's interesting. Okay, so when yeah. we figured it out... Really? So what happens is a baby can grow a factor of six or more in height. <laughs> yes. But its head only grows a factor of three. Okay. So that means that mm -hmm. baby's head is disproportionately large compared with its body. Wow. And so are its eyes relative to its head. They're kind of like news anchors. They have those huge heads. <laughs> <laughs> Just relative to the body. Yes. So... I didn't know we, baby heads were so big. Yes. Oh, mm -hmm. my gosh. They're crazy large compared to their bodies. That's why it's hard for babies to walk. They're it's, trying to balance that big it's, head. It's one of the reasons why they have, it takes a while for them to even hold up their head. Over. Okay. Okay. So, but we're not actively conscious of this fact, but it's operating right. within us. So watch what happens. Okay. Okay. So we say, oh, look at the cute baby. Mm -hmm. But you generally don't use that word for an adult. So what we're cueing on is how big the eyes are relative to the head and how big, how big the head is relative to the body. And, and, this is why... And we like babies, too. You this know, is yeah. why any baby mammal looks cute. Wow. Any baby mammal. Uh -huh. A baby puppy. A baby bear. A baby anything. A baby mammal. Yeah. Because they have these proportions. And when... Mattel figured this out. Uh, whoever <laughs> makes the stuff, the plush toys, right. they then started making baby toys with huge heads. Ah. And so that's why, and now any plush toy has a huge head. Right. And, it, and large, large uh, eyes relative to the head. Now, uh -huh. so, it, so something in us is hardwired to think that babies are cute. Right. Because if you didn't, we'd go extinct very quickly. Uh-huh. So, so this, this is why. So that's an example of something that we judge as an aesthetic that is surely hardwired in our evolution. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And generally, we, we would agree what is ghastly, uh -huh. like the underbelly of a tarantula under a microscope. And I don't think anyone has posters of that with, yeah. over their you know, breakfast yeah. table. There's certain things that are just ghastly. Yeah. And we, we, we have a general dislike of... of, of reptiles 
that's pr- that may be traceable. Is it about proportions? No, 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 no. Just I'm just talking about what might be inbred within oh, okay. us. So maybe we were chased by them. Well, exactly. Well, yeah, right. yeah. When we were running under brush from T Rex. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, <laughs> you're damn straight. We should. We ought to be afraid of yes. reptiles. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. And that's why yeah. all of the early horror movies. Why are brothers afraid of snakes? I didn't know we were. Yeah, you know, you never heard of. Uh, I'm going to get all these motherfucking snakes off the motherfucking plane. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't right. see that movie. Right. Yeah, snakes on the plane. Yeah, I, I purposefully on, didn't see that right. movie. I was going to the observatory dome late one night, <laughs> and there's a rattlesnake between me and the dome. Get out. Yeah. 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 And so yeah. I said, okay, uh, let me go to the dark room back when we used to develop pictures rather than have digital. Mm-hmm. And I got a solution of stop bath, which is very concentrated acetic acid. Very good. And then I just, you know, sprayed it on the snake. Did it work? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you don't want... <laughs> don't mess with an astrophysicist, <laughs> Mr. Snake, with your little rattle. Yes, I have command over chemistry. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, so, uh, so, so anyhow, the, so some of it might be hardwired, but other things right. where something's beautiful in one ge- is, is ugly in one generation but becomes beautiful mm-hmm. in a next generation... I mean, just and look that at, does happen. You're yeah, right. that does happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, look at uh, impressionist paintings yes. that you couldn't give you couldn't mm-hmm. for song you couldn't give them away, and right. and now you know they're going for fifty million dollars. So something, so the, so all I'm saying is neuroscience is a frontier, mm-hmm. and if I were not an astrophysicist, that may be where I would be because wow. it's it is it is a, it's a it's it's the, fascinating. It's the yeah. wild wild west. It is fascinating. Okay, you had a lot of questions in your book, and I just want to ask you a couple of them. You're talking about the Star Talk book. Yes, Star Talk book. I love Mm -hmm. how it's set up with all the questions. Mm -hmm. And some of the most interesting ones to me, uh, one is kind of a general question. It's not really direct, but what did Apollo 11 mean to mankind? I find that an interesting general question because when you think about it, and for all you young people, Apollo 11 was the NASA mission to the moon, where we first stepped on the moon. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. It's very pedagogical, historically pedagogical of you. Michael Collins, yes. Yes. Well, you know, I'm a nerdy astronaut. Mm -hmm. But to me, I mean, I put it up there with uh, all the great, you know, things that have happened in the millennium. I don't just put it as a century thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing that we did that. But it feels like people don't regard it that highly for some reason. Do you find that a pivotal a very important thing that happened or it's just you know i mean i have two ways to answer it's just like crossing the atlantic on an airplane okay so i have two ways to answer that okay um do you know the name of the first european to come to the new world well columbus yeah okay he's the big christopher columbus right so you know his name don't you yes you've known it since a child right right okay who was the first european to antarctica first european to antarctica Mm -hmm. Would be... Uh, no, you don't know the name. No, yeah. you're stumping me. You yeah. know why you don't know the name? Why? Because Antarctica didn't become a thing after they went. Right. They, they left and nobody pitched tent. Nobody set up colonies. Nobody did great things there. It right. stayed a frozen, desolate uh, wasteland. Right. So you remember names of people who discover things that then became great thereafter. Mm-hmm. If we go to the moon and never go back, then all the moonwalkers are doomed to fade into, uh, to, to evaporate into history. Mm-hmm. But if we go to the moon and we set up colonies and cities and things, then, then there's a statue to the first person to step foot on the moon. So you see it as 
it has a legacy in terms of it being a destination, not in terms of like maybe the science it started. Well, forget the science. I'm just talking mm-hmm. about there doesn't have to be science. It just has right. to be cultures. Right. You know Christopher Columbus because America became something mm-hmm. in the aftermath of that visit. It became connected to the to the old world. More right. than that, it became yes. this great place. Right. Okay. With a great country and many great countries on it. Right. It grew from that discovery point. Mm-hmm. And you want to know how did this all begin? But there's nothing there's nothing happening in Antarctica. There's no urge to know what started it because nothing got started. Yeah. This is why you don't know who discovered Antarctica. That's so, my point. Do you think there's hope for for Apollo now, 11 to be significant? Now, so <laughs> that's my first point. Okay. Second point. What matters is not Apollo 11, mm-hmm. but the entire entire Apollo series of missions from Apollo 8 uh, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Mm-hmm. These Apollo missions, they all went to the moon, including Apollo 8. Yep. That's the one that took that picture That's right. of Earthrise. That was on Christmas. Over the, yeah. around December. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Okay. Now, uh, here's what happened. We went to the moon to explore the moon, mm-hmm. and we discovered Earth for yeah. the first time. Mm-hmm. And there was Earth afloat, adrift in the darkness of space seen not as your schoolroom globe had taught you with color-coded countries. No. Uh-huh. It had oceans and land and clouds. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's transformative. In fact, Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, he, upon seeing this, he could not help himself. And he pens the following quote. You develop an instant global consciousness, a people orientation, an intense dissatisfaction with the state of the world, and a compulsion to do something about it. Uh From out there on the moon, international politics looks so petty. You want to grab a politician by the scruff of the neck and drag him a quarter million miles out and say, look at that, you son of a bitch. Wow. That was Edgar Mitchell. Wow. Edgar Mitchell. That's an astronaut. Quoted in Time magazine. So yeah. here's my point. Something else happened. It's not, oh, you're a hero and we'll remember you forever. Mm-hmm. Something else happened. There was a firmware upgrade to our mental state. Okay. Between 1968 and 19, a year, 73. Okay. While we were going to the moon and then some, the following happened. The Whole Earth Catalog was published. Well, I call it Whole Earth. Where do you get that phrase from? Mm-hmm. 1970, the Environmental Protection Agency is signed into law. Why right. didn't you do that in 1960 or yeah. 1950 or 1940 or 1980? You did it while we were going to the moon. <laughs> was it the first Earth Day? The first that? Earth Day, 1970. Right. Mm-hmm. Why not 1960? Did you care about the Earth then? No, you didn't think to care about Earth. You cared about your local pond. You didn't want the stream to get polluted. Nobody was thinking Earth-wide. Right. And yeah. if you ask those people, why are you thinking this? They're not even going to cite that photo. They're not going to cite the Apollo program because I assert it was a firmware upgrade. You don't even realize it because it's down in the deepest programming of how we think. It's not an active thought. It's a passively expressed concern about Earth as a planet. In 1972, Harlem Harlem Globetrotters beat uh, the Washington Generals. (laughs) (laughs) So you have the formation of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, 1970. They... Leaded gas gets banned. The Comprehensive Clean Air Act. Comprehensive Clean Water Act. That TV commercial with the Indian guy tearing when they throw garbage out the window. 1971. Smokey the Bear. 
Well, I don't know when he. No, he's older than that. Smokey's yeah. older than that. So, yeah, but he was in his glory days then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why yeah. didn't all this happen at another decade, at another time? DDT gets banned, yeah. 1972. We are caring about the environment as never before. Yeah. And it's not like we didn't have other things to concern ourselves with. The right. Kent State shootings, whereas what, 1971, no, 72? Yeah. The, the civil rights movement was winding down, but still. Mm-hmm. In 1968, Vietnam was still mm-hmm. going strong. Mm-hmm. The Cold War, hot war. And we took time out of that day with all those problems, domestic problems, and put Earth first. And I assert that the Apollo program, that its true value cannot actually be plumbed because of what it did to us, and it put us in a new place. So you're worried that no one's going to remember these moonwalkers, and I'm saying we are irreversibly different for it. Yes, the... Earth before that is different than the Earth after. Correct. What? No, let me All add, over the Earth. Yes. So let if me you ask go to you other this. people about the moon landing, yes. they don't say, oh, it's great you guys landed on the moon. <laughs> yeah. They say, it's great we landed on the moon. Yes. But that was the feeling back then. They though. viewed it as humanity it was a global stepping event. on the moon. I Correct. agree. So let me ask you this then. Why has taking care of the Earth, which is the way I view the, I'll call it the climate issue, why is taking care of the earth and the whole climate issue, why is that a partisan issue? Yeah, I, I blame, I, mean, I don't go around hitting Because politicians. I find it sad that it's a partisan yeah. issue, whether it's on the left or the right. I think it's a human taking care of, being stewards of, of right. the planet issue. So if issue, you lay right? it all out, there's a, set of, mm-hmm. there's a set of scientific issues where there is partisanship that leans one way or another mm-hmm. And to, for you to lean, it requires you have to reject some mainstream science to do so. Wow. Okay? So, it's just amazing. If you re- so, what? So, so, for example, uh-huh. uh, vaccine deniers, yes. they tend to lean left. Uh, Anti-GMO people tend to lean left. That's right. Uh, alternative medicine people tend to lean left. You have to reject some mainstream science to feel that way about those three categories. Mm-hmm. And it includes, it also turns out, that people who are deep into things like astrology, crystal healing, feather energy, and this sort of thing, lean left. Mm-hmm. And all that requires some rejection, if not total rejection, of what science tells you about it. Sure. Now you look at uh, uh, people who reject evolution. Mm-hmm. They lean right. Yes. People who reject what climate scientists are telling them about the world. They lean right. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's not that the liberals don't have scientific high road here. Yes. That there's, there's, there's enough denial to go around. What, so that tells me as an educator what's missing is that deep down in your K through 12, somebody didn't teach because it's not in the curriculum what science is and how and why it works. Mm-hmm. We're so busy teaching you chemistry, biology, physics, and pouring this information into your opened head, into this vessel, mm-hmm. without training you how to think and how to analyze and how to process information. And if you did that, and if you had that power, and if you came out curious, knowing what science is and how and why it works, none of this would be going on the way you've described. Mm-hmm. And the difference with the feather people versus the, 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 the climate deniers is, if you, li- if you like your feather energy, no one is going to stop you. We live in a free country. Yes. Okay? So, so <laughs> your feather energy. Go right ahead. <laughs> yes. But if you're going to deny climate change and you're going to rise to political power and create legislation based on it, then that is the beginning of the end of an informed democracy. Well, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, 
you are an amazing person. I could talk to you for hours, but I know you. I know you have to go. But please come back. Let's have another talk. There's so you many got a more nook questions. Here. I'm glad. I'm glad. There's so many more questions. You know what I want to ask you? Got rheumatism in your knee. You I came know, here in crutches. I know. I'm crippled here today. Yeah. Uh, I, here's what I want to ask you the next time I see you. I don't want you to answer this, but I want to ask about time travel. Okay, and I want to hear your thoughts on that. So everybody I'll, know the I'll next save time. Save it for it. Yes, yeah, save it for it. The next <laughs> time I talk to to the other guys, I want to talk about time travel. Is there anything else you want to add? Or what? We might have already had that interview. <laughs> what? Oh, see, <laughs> Bow, my head just exploded. My head. We had just that interview exploded. yesterday. You didn't. <laughs> All right. So uh, definitely, uh, we'll continue this conversation. And um, I couldn't put it better than how you just said that. And I tell you what, at the end of the day, let's just continue to be curious. Right? There it is. Curious without limits. Yes. Knowledge without bounds. Beautiful. Neil deGrasse Tyson, thank you very much. Beautiful.